listening to a podcast from St. Benedict's Table, a congregation of the Anglican Church of Canada, located in Winnipeg, Manitoba. In preparation for today's sermon, I was uh, going through some commentaries, trying to be in conversation with others who have given thought to Paul's letter to the Corinthians. I came across a stunning array of illustrations to try and explain what Paul is talking about. Richard Hayes suggests that the whole passage is irony, that Paul is being sarcastic, and that we are not to take literally the words of the text, that there is a double meaning to all of these, all of these, all of these talks about wisdom and, um, and the wise, turning those on their heads. Mary Hinkleshaw suggested that it was like going to the optometrist, where during an eye test, different pieces of glass are put in front of your eyes until the black blobs either suddenly come into focus or go out of focus. When the right one is found, all manner of things become clear, and it brings into focus what God has revealed through the Spirit. In the context here, Christ crucified Christ crucified is not what Paul sees, but it is how Paul sees. So the lens that he sees the whole world through is Christ crucified. Frederick Buechner equated it to a murder mystery whose mysteriousness could be dispelled, must be dispelled, in order for the truth to be known. But there were other mysteries which do not conceal a truth but whose truth is itself a mystery. I hadn't quite got to that one. And he adds at the end, to say that God is a mystery is to say that you can never nail him down. Even on Christ, the nails proved ultimately ineffective. I thought that was very clever. Scott Horsey brings Harry Potter into the conversation and the room of requirement It is a very real and very large room that did not appear on any of the castle maps. It had no entry or exit that anyone could ordinarily see. It was said to be the place where all things are hidden. But getting into the room was a trick in itself. You had to sort of believe in the room and wish yourself into inside But there was a standard way to refer to how to get into the room of requirement. And it went like this. If you have to ask, you will never know. If you know, you need only ask. Clear as mud. (laughs) So there were lots and lots of illustrations, different illustrations that can be used to try and help us grasp what Paul is teaching the people of Corinth about mystery. The Corinthians thought that they had it understood. They had understood what Paul had tried to teach them. Paul had been to visit them before. He had spent time in their city. He had founded their community. From his preaching, they had retained some of his well-crafted formulas that were very easy to remember. And then Paul went on his way. And while the cat was away, the mice began to interpret Paul's teachings to suit themselves. Clarity was needed for the obscure and the disputed points on how to live and pray together. And so Paul writes this letter. 
He addresses the way his teachings are now being used as slogans that were making the rounds in Corinth. He challenges things like, everything is allowed. Food is for the stomach and stomach for the food. We have knowledge. Yes, he probably told the Corinthians that they were no longer under the law. That all foods were pure. And yes, he said to them that they had been made firm in the knowledge of God. And perhaps he also said that they had already risen in Christ. But these truths, which the Corinthians had reduced to slogans, had to be understood and lived out in relationship with other ones. Now Paul finishes the first chapter of the first letter to the Corinthians with a meditation on the glorious mystery of the cross which turns everything on its head in this world. Its weakness is where strength comes from. Its foolishness as a source of hope. Its wisdom is found by believing in the impossible actions of Christ. Now as Paul turns the page on a new chapter, he reflects on this mystery, hoping to make sense of it all. I came to you determined to know only Christ and him crucified, Paul writes. He knew that it was the cross and only the cross that would reveal eternity. The cross was the key to unlocking the kingdom of heaven. And Paul was unapologetic in his single-tone message. He was the Henry Ford of car colors. You can have it in any color you like as long as it's black. The cross is the way. The end of the story, that is it, the cross is the way. But this simple and consistent thought was not an easy message for people to get their heads around. We love to make life more difficult for ourselves. A bit like the king in the Old Testament with a skin condition who was told to go down and dip himself in the river seven times. He complained that it was too simple. Yet the miracle and the mystery was that he was clean when he emerged. As Mary Hinkleshaw says, we need new new lenses. And once the lens of faith is received and duly installed, everything becomes clear. The apparent foolishness of the cross would become the wisdom of God. The dead-end nature of proclamation, telling the same story again and again and again, would become the gateway to life. But it was going to require a whole new way of thinking to get one's mind around this. Because it is, finally, a very great mystery. And we know that a true mystery can never be explained. That's part of a mystery's charm. If you could explain it, as our enlightened scientific world loves to do, break it down, take it to its elemental roots, figure out how to put it together, it would not be a mystery. It would be a Rubik's Cube with the algorithms that bring confusion back into line, but it's not. When it is a mystery, the most that you can say about it is something like, I don't know how or why it works, but it does. God's gifts, the mysteries that we contain, cannot be understood without a deep transformation of our whole being. Those who have entered into the mind of Christ no longer view reality with themselves at the center. They know they belong to God, 
made holy by God. They know that they are called to be holy and are not likely to settle into complacency. They also know that the gifts that they have received were not given so that they could exalt themselves in a spirit of rivalry or competition, but in order to build up the community. All any of us can do is bear humble witness to the fact that we cannot really tell you why we believe in the gospel the way that we do, but we also know and believe its truth, and it has impacted the way we live our lives. We have the mind of Christ, Paul writes at the end of his chapter. We are the salt of the earth that is not capable of losing its saltiness. We are the light of the world that cannot be smothered by darkness. We have been grafted into Christ and now share in his life and in his, in his very mind. And we didn't do it. We didn't earn it. It was a sheer gift. It is a bold statement of defiance to all who will reduce it to a slogan. So in the face of this mystery, one that is completely unexplainable, the most that we can do is say thank you and respond with our lives. Amen. So now in a bold, defiant statement, and with not a slogan in sight, I invite you all to stand as we declare the mystery of our faith and say together the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. You've been listening to a St. Benedict's Table podcast. For more information on our church or to provide support for our online work, visit us at stbenedictstable.ca.